Hello, everybody. Welcome to Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. I'm Ben. And we're here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and random happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 74, a little bit late, you know, better late than never. Uh, that's one for seen circumstances. Sometimes life happens, and, you know, appreciate your patience. But we're here now to bring you a great show. Today we have MLB news. It appears as though, as of this moment, it's changing second to second. As of this moment, we may have a season, and we're also going to get into how the structure of this season and potential financial issues next season could impact future free agents. But first, a little Dallas Cowboys news. Dak Prescott, Cowboys quarterback, apparently your cousin, I guess. I, yes. I don't know. I, I don't know how that works, but whatever. Don't judge. We're cousins. No, no judgment. No judgment. Hey, Dak, you know, whatever. Hey, man, see if we can get a little bit of Dak money out of it if you're family. Uh, has signed his has been gracious enough to sign his thirty two million dollar uh, franchise tag tender, and it has nothing to do with wanting to be a cowboy. It has to do with him knowing the franchise tag is guaranteed money in next year. If the season isn't whole this year, next year salary cap could very well decrease, and he knows he may not get the payday he wants. So it's smart on his part. Brings up another problem though. They wasted $100 million on Amari Cooper. And Correct. I know what I just said, and I mean what I just said. They wasted $100 million on Amari Cooper. Well, now, if they're going to have a lower salary cap next year, potentially, you need to re-sign Dak, unless you're content with letting him walk and just signing Andy Dalton long-term, which would just be an awesome direction for your franchise. They also appear to be interested, and I don't know if they've actually entered into negotiations with the Jets, been interested and Jets safety Jamal Adams, who we discussed last episode, has requested a trade because the Jets can't get out of their own way. How could this possibly work? Because they're not going to trade for him without signing an extension. There's just no way. That's not, that doesn't make even Jerry Jones as crazy. Some of the stuff he does will not w- would not trade for Jamal without having an extension in place. And if you extend Jamal Adams, is there any way they keep Dak Prescott? No, because they have uh, $36 million in cap space next year. And if we're factoring in the 30 to $80 million potential cap reduction, they have to think financially, what, what, how are they going to resign their starting quarterback? Because as soon as you trade for Jamal Adams, first you're giving up a first-round pick, which they have uh, all their picks from one round one through six. How do you resign Jamal Adams and resign Dak Prescott. You don't. It's simple math. You don't. No, you can't. There's no way. You start. You can start chopping salary all you want, but that $36 million in cap space you have is earmarked for, at minimum, Dak Prescott. He's getting 31 this year. Right. It's going to increase if you franchise him. If you franchise him next year, it's going to probably approach 40. Uh, especially, especially if Patrick Mahomes signs his deal. And then you have to factor in, you have to be under the salary cap number, and if the salary cap um, ceiling is less than this year, you got problems. Well, let me, let me just explain to people out there why Patrick Mahomes signing his deal would affect Dak Prescott. Because when you're franchised, depending on what year it is in your uh, franchise tag process, you are you get the uh, equivalent of the average of, I believe, it starts with the top five at your position in the league. And then it, it, it changes uh, progressively to give you more and better positioning as you're franchise tagged in successive years, if you are. Uh, it's one of the reasons, like, Kirk Cousins with Washington was franchised two years in a row, made a boatload of guaranteed money, but they couldn't do it a third year in a row because it would have been, like, a $48 million cap hit. So, Patrick Mahomes signing, he will get a massive contract, and if that does end up happening this upcoming offseason going into the 2021 season that will absolutely affect Dak Prescott's cap number because that will raise the overall average. So I just wanted to explain to people why somebody signing another team would affect a franchise tender for the Cowboys. I just don't see I, I just don't see because you're not you're not trading Jamal Adams trading for Jamal Adams to just have him under that contract. No. Which is essentially, it's essentially two years. It's his fourth year and his fifth year option. 
he's he's the reason why he wants to leave. It's because he can't get an uh, extension from the uh, Jets. And the Jets have screwed him around since, well, as far as we know, earlier last season. They've been screwing with him. He wanted to be there. He wanted to work it out. And had they not pulled the crap last year where they tried trading him when they told him they weren't, they probably could have worked something out. But as usual, as we discussed, I'm not going to you know beat this down again. The Jets can't get out of their own way. And they screwed it up with the best player on their team and an elite player at his position in the league. And you're absolutely right. The Cowboys are not trading him for a year or two. You trade for a guy like Jamal Adams to make him the focal point of your defense for the next five to eight, maybe ten years, depending how long he plays. And we had said last... The one thing I think we have to correct from last episode, we said nobody, because they know the Jets are trying to trade him, or at least he wants to be traded, whether the Jets do or not is a different story. Nobody would give the Jets a first-round pick for him. I think we're wrong about that. I think Dallas may be the one exception. Well, here's the problem that the Jets have. Is Mr. Jamal Adams has stated that he wants to go to the Cowboys. So your position, even though he's the one who wants to force a trade, you're the Jets, your position to trade him is weakened by the fact that he is dictating which team he wants to go to. And if you're the Cowboys, you can sit there, hold your cards with the second route, say second, second and a four, and say, look, this is our offer. You can go to another team, but the other team is going to ask, uh, can we have a dis- discussion with Jamal Adams on an extension? And if Jamal says he doesn't want to go to Team X, if, I say if, then all, all they'll just come right back to the Cowboys, and the Cowboys can sit there with it if they're intelligent. Now, there is the Jerry Jones factor. If he wants to sit there and, and say, look, we want Jamal Adams – We'll push that first-round pick in there. But if you're smart, if you're Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin and the GM of the Steelers, Seahawks, you you name the, the, the upper echelon smart, intelligent teams. They know how to run a front office and a team, yeah. They position themselves to try to get the best, best deal possible. Right. And that could be. Sit there, you're the team that he wants to go to. Sit there with a second and a forward and say, this is the offer. This is the only offer. And you understand that you could lose out on Jamal Adams. Is he great? Yes. Is he generational talent player? Potentially. Potentially, but I don't know. Remains to be seen as far as that goes. But My belief is it's very few generational talent players. And I think, obviously we know my feelings on Isaiah Simmons... I think he'd be a generational talent. I think that's a guy who will transform the league. As an example, Lawrence Taylor did. As Ed Reed did. As Deion Sanders did. Is Jamal Adams at that level? Or can you sit there and, and, and just hold your cards? Here's a second, here's a fourth, that's our offer. Well, first of all, I mean, here's the thing. If the Cowboys just want to offer a second and a fourth, there's nothing saying the Jets have to take that. Correct. So they, I mean, they have to know they're not going to be a competitive team in 2020. They have to. I mean, they may be delusional. The Jets? Yes. Yeah. But they, I mean, the Cowboys should have been competitive last year, so who knows what they're going to be because nobody wanted the NFC East last season. Um, so the Jets have to know in their heart of hearts this is not their year. They're not going to compete. They could improve, but given the way their front office runs, I doubt it because they're going to find some other way to screw themselves over. Well, they got no receivers. They have no receivers, and then you know if Sam Darnold gets hurt, they have Joe Flacco to throw to him. So right. we all we all know what that's about. But my point is this: like, I understand what you're saying as far as, oh, essentially the Cowboys can just hold out until they accept it. Right. There's nothing saying they have to accept it. If Jamal Adams refuses to play for the Jets and the Jets don't trade him and they have a standoff like Le'Veon Bell and the Pittsburgh Steelers, you could see he's still under contract. Yeah. So they could continue to pay him, which would be dumb, but it is the Jets. They could continue to pay him for his fourth year, for his fifth year. They could even franchise him if they, if they really wanted to be better in year six. And I mean, it won't come to this extreme because they're going to work something out with somebody. 
but they could realistically have a season or two if they chose to, if he did not want to play for them, would they say, okay, well, you're not going to get paid, and you're going to sit here under contract and not get paid because you refuse to play, but your value is going to diminish every time, you're, every second you're not on the field. Look at Le'Veon Bell. Right. Look, I, look. I think the one thing we should note, uh, note is that I think you have to play by week 10 of that season for that season to count. So technically he would never have to get to the franchise tag if he sat out the whole season. Because then that season would have never never occurred, so he'd still be in that fourth season. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay, I got you. Right. It happened with Logan Mankins. He had right. a report by week 10 for that season to count, and then they resolved it. I think that, well, they traded him in the offseason to Tampa Bay, and there was a big to-do about that from Brady and everybody else. Um, Le'Veon Bell was different because they were trying to sign him to a franchise tag, and they just they just didn't want to pay him the franchise tag at uh, of well, it still would have been the first year of a franchise tag. But I think some of those contracts that got signed elevated that number. Right. And then they just wanted to part ways. Obviously, they parted ways with both AB and Le'Veon, but they just felt like it, it was pointless to franchise him again. But look, you're right, but look what sitting out did for Le'Veon oh, yeah. Bell. Oh, he yeah. wanted $20 million a year. He thought he was going to get that for sure. He didn't get it. And instead he signs four for 52, which, don't get me wrong, he's not living in the poor, you know, he's not living in a poor house by any stretch at all. Because I think, I want to say like 32 of that was guaranteed. So he got a nice, a nice piece. But he's still a very good player. But he drastically, on top of not getting paid any of that franchise tender, or, uh, yeah, it was franchise, any of that <laughs> franchise tender from his last season with Pittsburgh, because that was all... He didn't play, so he didn't get any of that. Right. Cost himself, I think, $18 million that year. Didn't get nearly. If he, he's on a four, four or five year deal with the Jets. I think it was four. I think it was four for 52 was the contract. But even if it was five, four or five, he cost himself. He That's an average of uh, $13 million a year, I want to say. I'm doing quick math. Far under the 20. If he had played that year in Pittsburgh, done well, gone out as a free agent, I mean, it would have been a backloaded contract, but he would have gotten a large guarantee, and it probably would have been somewhere in the neighborhood of 16 or 17. It would have been like a Zeke Elliott contract, but he cost himself money. So Jamal Adams is not the caliber in the league that Le'Veon Bell was. He's phenomenal, but he's not at the echelon as far as stature in the league where he could pull that and still pull in that kind of money Le'Veon got. And I think... I don't blame him for wanting a trade. I'm on his side. The Jets have screwed him around for the better part of a year now. And they apparently couldn't even negotiate during the contract negotiations properly. So I don't blame him at all for wanting out. The thing is, though, is, like, yeah, he's made it clear he wants to go to Dallas. Dallas has made it, apparently made it clear they'd like him. You know Jerry Jones would want him. I remember Jerry Jones giving a first-round pick for Roy Williams, the Detroit Lions receiver, when nobody else was going to give that at all for Roy Williams. Roy Williams was not that caliber of player. But Jerry Jones wanted him for some reason. Gave O'Glines a first-round pick for him years ago. I want to say early 2000s, something like that. Jerry Jones will give up a first-round pick. If you tell Jerry Jones right now, straight-up first-round pick for Jamal Adams, Jerry Jones makes that trade instantly. Instantly, without a problem. I agree. And he will find an extension for him. And I think the reason they brought in Andy Dalton... Is because, I mean, I joke about Andy Dalton not being, he's not phenomenal, don't get me wrong. He was pretty good in Cincinnati for a while. And then that entire Bengals offense and organization just went downhill. And it it started with coaching, and then it went to receivers being injured before they got um, Joe, Joe Mixon. The running back situation was not the best. It was inconsistent or injury prone running backs. What's that? It was a revolving door. Revolving door. Yeah, exactly. It, it, was all, it was all revolving door. He's had A.J. Green injured, so every position was a revolving door. Andy Dalton had to try to work with that. So I think if you have a better offense and a more stable offense, which I, I could agree, last year's Cowboys were far more stable offensively, with the exception of Amari Cooper, than last year's Bengals. I think they brought in Dalton as almost kind of like a smarten up deck kind of thing. Like, hey, we like you. We want you here. We're going to offer you a good contract. But let's not get too big for our britches here. Like you're not, you're not 
Drew Brees. You're not Tom Brady. You're not Peyton Manning. You're not Aaron Rodgers. Uh, quite frankly, you're not even Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. You're good, but you don't do anything when the when chips are down. You're not clutch. Not even Jerry Jones is going to pay him $40 million a year. I've said this before. I think the minute Andy Dalton was signed, Dak Prescott's future was sealed. He'll play somewhere else next season. Well, not next season technically hasn't happened yet. In 2021, he'll play somewhere else. Because they do not have the cap room to re-sign him to any deal he wants. But that's just my opinion. I just, I just don't believe the Cowboys, if they're intelligent about this, need to give up the first-round pick for Jamal Adams. If you hold your position correctly, and Jamal holds his position that he only wants to go to Dallas, if, in fact, he only wants to go to Dallas, if that's his true hope is to, to go to Dallas, then he can him and the Cowboys, without talking, because obviously they discuss this, Collusion can be implicated. Then they don't need to give up that first round pick. I just don't know where the I don't know where the math comes in to figure out the contract extension. Unless it is that money that would be earmarked next year for Dak Prescott doesn't go to Dak Prescott because Andy Dalton's under contract for next year, and that makes sense. I, I think Dalton only signed a one-year deal, didn't he? Pretty sure it, it's an option. Oh, it could be an option. I know, I know yeah, it was a one-year base, an base contract, but it could be an option involved. Yeah, okay. So, even with the enormous contract that they gave to Mari Cooper, which will be dead weight in short order. You could have set that money on fire, and it would have been more valuable. True. Um, that's probably what they're going to go with, because they're just not going to pay... They're not going to pay Dak Prescott $40 million a year and then have to figure out who they're going to cut, whether it's an offense alignment or two offense alignment, a defensive player that's in impact, and then trade for an de impact defensive player and try to sacrifice somewhere else, where it's, whether it's Jalen Smith, Dexter Lawrence, Leighton Van Resch when his, contract, when his rookie contract is up because then they'll have to have a discussion with him or the countless offense alignment that they – pay because they have the best offensive line for now. Well, I would say two years ago they had the best offensive line in the league. Now it's starting to take hits. Zach Martin retiring. Aging players. Tyron Smith is not exactly what he was in his prime. Cam Irving not exactly yeah. in his prime. Well, he's starting to go out of his prime. And and I just don't... Oh, I'm sorry. Not, not Zach Martin. Um... Travis Frederick was the one who retired. Yes, the center, right? Yes. Yeah. So, it's a lot of moving parts, and they could have helped themselves, and I've stated this, not signing Omari Cooper, signing a, a lower-tier free agent receiver. There are a couple out there that you could have signed. And got yourself your, your premier receiver in CeeDee Lamb, who has played in multiple offenses with multiple quarterbacks, Heisman Trophy quarterbacks and ran your offense through the guy you should run your offense through. A fully healthy, full offseason, Ezekiel Elliott. Well, let's not forget, I don't think they have CeeDee Lamb, they have Joey Gallup. Yeah. Joey Gallup is his name, no, Joey, right? Um, Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup. I'm, Joey, I'm getting Joey Gallo and Michael Gallup confused. Different sports. But, yes. They could have had those two yeah. and then paired it with a veteran receiver in free agency. You could have even drafted a second wide receiver yeah. because you really wanted to, to solidify that receiving core. And then, honestly, then you could have moved forward with Dak Prescott as your starting quarterback and build that synergy mm -hmm. and then have – because Michael Wallop's not great, but he's not terrible. I think Michael – I was just going to – it's funny you said that. I was just about to say, I think Michael Gallup is – Potential star. I know I know CeeDee Lamb is. Well, you don't know that because you haven't seen yes. him play in the NFL yet. Okay, I've seen him in college. So Okay, but a lot of players are great in college and they suck in the pros. Like, True. True. It's yeah. like when you talking about Isaiah Simmons. Like I think Isaiah Simmons is going to be awesome. But we really don't know how his game is going to translate in the NFL until we see him on the field. I don't think he'll have any issue, but it's just it, It's just that the problem, the problem is, is they gave all that money to Mari Cooper 
We know he's going to play three games a year, and he's not going to help you win the division. That's, that's, what, that's where all, all their problems is. started. If they don't make that dumb mistake, none of this is an issue. They can send a first-round pick to the first and a conditional pick to the Jets, get Jamal Adams, sign him to an extension, re-sign Dak, move forward. None of this is a problem. But instead, Jerry Jones has to try to double down. De- Instead of admitting he made a mistake, Jerry Jones has to double down on everything. That's exactly well, what it is. Gotta, That's exactly what it yeah, is. Got to re-sign him. He did the same thing, like I said earlier, when he traded for Roy Williams from Detroit Lions many years ago. They ended up re-signing him to a contract. Now, it wasn't as lucrative as Amari's because the contracts weren't that size back then. But still, this guy had one decent year. Decent. It was like I think it was like 1,100 yards and like 70 catches for 1,100 yards and a few touchdowns. Very, very respectable. Solid season. This guy was not the second coming, or at that point, the first coming, of Michael Thomas. He was a very average receiver who had a decent year. Jerry Jones traded for him for a first-round pick and then couldn't let it go, couldn't say, eh, maybe that wasn't the best move in the world, let's just move on. Nope, nope. Had to re-sign him. The guy did nothing after that, and Dallas was still paying him. Did the same thing with Amari Cooper, and now he's put his franchise in a bad spot. What, what else is new? Well, you know who's also is in a bad spot? A lot of people in sports these days. I was going to focus on our... Our, 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 what do you want to call it? Our beat-up bag? Our, uh, punching bag? Punching bag, thank you. Uh, the MLB. Yeah. So they're well, They deserve everything they're getting. So after, after the MLB union re- rejected the 60-game proposal from the league. And that's a second 60-game proposal, by the way. Not the first one we reported on last episode, a second one. They've now, MLB is now forcing the 60-game. So all they're waiting for is two answers. And they want they were requesting it by five PM today. Yeah. So essentially in ten minutes they're looking for uh, next ten minutes they'll look for an answer. As to um, whether they'll accept? Um is the July twenty fourth uh, acceptable start date and are they agreeing to the terms of the operating procedures in regards to health and safety? That's all their that's the two answers they need uh from the MLB union. That's the funny thing to me is they were so obsessed on, on money and who was going to get them, the extra pennies falling around, that they never even got to the health and safety protocol this entire three months. Right. And now that Rob Manfred, finally, and I know he didn't do this on his own because he can't do anything on his oh, own. Oh, no, no, no. The owners this, voted. Yeah, this this was an owner's essentially, okay, Rob, this is what we're going to have you do this time. We're going to pull your strings. This was something that could have been done months ago to avoid all of this negativity, all of this ugliness. And all of this, you know, just bad feeling towards baseball. Just mandate the season and hammer out the details from there. And if you don't want to play for safety or whatever other reason, you can forfeit your contract for the season and come back next year if you feel safer. That's fine. You're a human being with your own ability to make your decisions. You can choose that. You'll forfeit your contract for this season. But go ahead and stay home if you want to do it because you feel safer. Understandable. But it could have done this. If Rob Manfred had any semblance of leadership, could have done this months ago and avoided all of this. But now they were so hung up on all these other little details about how we're going to play 70 games, we're going to play 58 games, we only want to play 48 games, we want to play 120 games, because it was all about money. In three months, they couldn't even get the health and safety protocol, and now they're saying within less than 24 hours, they want them to hammer out all those details and have an answer? Yeah. Well, we got nine minutes left before they, they set their supposed deadline. So I don't know if we'll still be on this topic, but we'll still be recording. So if anything comes up, as far as that goes, you'll know about it right here. I'm all over it, man. So this just, we're not, we're not going to, our, our baseball topic today is going to be about, you know, finances for the 2021 season and beyond as far as it's affecting free agents and some of the key free agents. We just wanted to touch on this because if they can apparently agree to this, there will be a 60-game baseball season with, I believe, the same kind of playoff structure they've had in a uh, universal DH for this season, and I don't know if it's next season or not. I think they took that off the table. But there will be a couple different rules, and it will be a 60-game season with the same kind of playoff structure. People are going to watch, but, man, they would have been a lot happier if they didn't have all this ugliness and all this squabbling over money and just did this months ago and got back on the field. But 
Baseball has long since proven they are out of touch with their fan base. And owners are out of touch with their players. And there is no honest communication because it's all just done through unions. You can't have a couple people in a room just hashing out details. It all has to be unions and guidelines and regulations and just nonsense. Nothing gets fixed. So what what we're looking at, Chris, is um, some things that are, are... they're getting 30% of their full season salaries, uh, $1.5 billion total, 37% of their, of their full season salaries. So they're leaving. Uh, players will not receive forgiveness on the one, $170 million salary advance they would have received as part of the March agreement. Um, and they'll get no money for the postseason. And by this, it's called an imposition, by the way. Uh, they're allowed to uh, file a grievance because of that March deal. So they will. Why, this is why they won't agree to it because ev- I'm sure every deal that the MLB put in front of them had that caveat, you can't grieve. Right. Because we agreed on this and this, and we can go you can go back to all the times we discussed the MLB and the union. It's That's what it's all about. It's about... The money, the money, the money. And now they'll get no money for the playoffs. The postseason is 10 teams, no expanded, no altered. altered. Uh, the players won't wear microphones on the field. The uniforms will not have advertisement. Uh, the only thing that they're putting in is the universal DH because of safety and health protocols. That's it. Which I don't understand how that helps whatsoever, but... That's it. That's all they're adding in, Chris. I gotta tell you, man. I know everybody thinks this is optimistic, this is positive, this is a move in the right direction. I still don't think they got enough field to play. I still don't think we have a season. They still have to They still have to go through protocol uh, every time. And they're already... They're, they already opened up facilities for some teams, for staff, and they've already closed some Shut down. Shut them back down for cleaning because people were getting sick. Yeah. Right. So... Like, you, you want to sit here and tell me that I'm wrong because I said, stated multiple times since, I don't know, what, February, March, that they're not playing. And you can say right now, Ben, you're wrong. They're playing. They're playing. No, I Folks, don't think so. until they step on the field and actually pitch and hit the ball, I'm right and MLB is in the wrong. So... You can say what you want about my opinion. I'm still right. I only know those are your two favorite or favorite phrase, at least. Now you you brought up the effect. Yeah, because this this will affect finances in the future, without a doubt. This will gravely affect free agents going into the 2021 season. So remember how Mookie Betts wanted that. Was it ten year, five hundred million dollar contract with the Red it. Sox? I got it for you, Chris. The one he I, wanted? Because I want, I wanted you, I wanted to make sure we got this right. In twenty nineteen, right, the off season, the Red Sox offered a ten year, three hundred million dollar contract to one Mookie Betts, which, by the way, are fully guaranteed contracts. Mookie countered with a twelve year, four hundred and twenty million dollar contract. In twenty nineteen. And you could say, and this was after his MVP season. You could say, 2019 was, eh, for Mookie Betts. It, it was, was okay. It, was it wasn't a follow up to an MVP season, though. Right. No. And the players around him were just as good. Let's not let's not act like that was an excuse. He still had an even more effective Rafael Devers. Um, JD Martinez was still extremely good. Um. Who's the other kid? Uh, the outfielder. Uh, Andrew Benatendi. Andrew Benatendi was absolutely fine. Like, uh, Xander Bogarts had probably his best season as a pro. And, and, and but you know, showed everybody why the Red Sox were so high on him for so long. So he had all the talent in the world around him. And that team just underperformed as a whole last year. So there's no reason you can't look at that and go drop off. Because if you want to compare him to Mike Trout, Mike Trout plays with far less talent around him and is by far still the best player in the game. Funny you should mention Mike Trout. So Mookie Betts is not Mike Trout. Let's let's nip that right in the bud right there. Funny you should mention that, Chris. Because the contract offer 
that he countered with is just shy of Mike Trout's, and this is this was signed, 12-year, $430 million contract with the Angels. Right. So $10 million less. Right. So Mookie Betts says he's he's worth ten just $10 million less than Mike Trout. With less of a track record of dominant play. Can you remember the last time Mike Trout finished below second place in the MVP? No. Uh, oh, yeah, actually, the year before he started playing. Okay. That's fair. Which is why, which is why Mookie Betts, because he won the MVP award ahead of Mike Trout one year, and he was top five another year, he determined and his agent determined that he was worth 12 years at $420 million. He's playing this year, I think it's roughly around 30, 30 35 million. 30 I think it's arbitration number, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like 30 million. Yeah, it's somewhere around there. He's not going to get 10 years, $300 million. He was never going to get anything close to the contract he asked for. Bryce Harper had a better record of consistency, and Bryce Harper didn't get anything near that. Bryce Harper thought he was going to get $500 million over 10 years. He got far less than that for a 12-year deal. Still very nice. None of these guys are going broke anytime soon. No one's feeling sorry for him. We're just simply presenting the numbers. But Mookie Betts, people who want to feel bad from, oh, why did the Red Sox trade him? The Red Sox traded him because they couldn't work with him financially. And don't get me wrong. I'm not backtracking how I feel about Red Sox ownership. I am. Not, I love the Boston Red Sox as a team. Ben and I have stated multiple times, we think the Red Sox ownership is some of the worst in baseball. The worst. The worst. Not only just from an attitude, a perception standpoint, just not very nice people in general, which I know sounds kind of childish. You're not nice. I'm not talking about like, you know, oh, they made fun of somebody once. I'm talking just not good, not good businessmen. They don't care about the team. They don't care about the city. They don't care about the franchise. They don't care about anything. Like or dislike Robert Kraft, I really don't care. But the guy does a ton for the community. The guy does a, a, a ton for uh, charities. And he is a very sociable guy. Well, if you ask some people, maybe a little too sociable, but that's a case <laughs> That's a case to be decided at a later time. But, like, this organization, from a leadership standpoint, is, is not great. Love the team, though. And... You had to know, Mookie had to, well, Mookie apparently didn't know he was being delusional. You were not getting $420 million for 12 years. You just, crap's just not happening. Then he gets traded, has his arbitration contract, great, he's going to make bank this year, good for him, whatever. And then all this happens. So, the only thing I think he can do if he wants any kind of semblance of, of big contract is... Sign a one-year deal, two-year deal maybe. I think you called it a pillow contract. Yeah. Sign something. Who knows what the contracts are going to look like after free agency this year because you're not going to have a ton of revenue. So you're not going to have these players going out there or signing one-year, 30 or $40 million deals. He's going to go out there and he's going to sign a one- or two-year deal for whatever he signs for and then really, really hope he performs at a top level if he wants anything close to what he was asking for. He's not getting 10 for 300. He's not getting 10 for 200. He's going to be lucky whatever he gets if it's over, say, 6 and 150. So there's all these problems that are him out with the Red Sox. Had to work this trade, and now this happens, and he's going to get a fraction of the money. And, and, and we have to remember another thing. Mookie Betts is not the only free agent that uh, next year. If you're not aware, no, there's some there's some pretty big ones. Um, I'm just gonna highlight a few. Sure. I'm not gonna sit here and, and run off this entire list that I, I compiled. Obviously, Mookie Betts, who will be 28 starting next offseason. Uh, Age wouldn't be a problem for most people. Okay. Marcus Simeon, shortstop. Didi Gregorius, shortstop. Antrelton Simmons, shortstop. So they're going to have three guys. I know each team's going to need a shortstop. But right. those are three guys trying to fight for the same amount of dollars, essentially. Now we have the outfield, where you have Mookie Betts, George Springer, Marcelo Suna, who had a problem getting a contract this year. Yeah. 
Jock Peterson, who is younger than the uh, – no, he's not younger than Mookie Betts, but he's 29. Um, uh, Tomas with the um, Arizona Diamondbacks, who's not sure if they're – they're not sure if he's an outfielder or not and hasn't performed to the contract that he signed coming out of Cuba. And then you have some starting pitchers, James Paxton, Marcus – Marcus, Marcus Stroman, Julio Tehran, JT Realmuto needs to sign a new contract. He's probably one of the best catchers in the league. I think he is the best catcher in the league, personally. And I, I'm just going to throw this little, little, little nugget of JBJ is a free agent next year. Jackie Bradley Jr. And he's going to have problems getting a contract extension from anybody north of five a year. With his batting average, home run consistency, what have you, it's just... <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest, with the exception of JT Riomuto, I don't see anybody on this list who's going to be able to demand top dollar for their position. As great as Trevor Bauer is for a soundbite... He's not an extraordinary pitcher, statistically. When the, when the Indians needed him most, he wasn't available because he had to play with his drum. Right. So he had a cut on his finger, on his pitching finger. Couldn't perform to the level that they needed to. And who knows if that flips that World Series in their favor. Right. If Trevor Bauer pitches the way Trevor Bauer could pitch. But you're right. Except for JT, because JT plays a premium position. And he's a premium talent at that position. Premium talent. And they gave up, uh, I don't want to say an exorbitant amount of prospects, but they gave up enough to say... We need to lock this guy up, and he's... What trade was that? I don't remember that. Trade with the uh, Miami Marlins. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, Ma- yeah. Right. Mar- Miami. Yeah. You're right, though. Other than JT, no one else is going to get the market value that they expect. No. Especially Mookie Betts. I mean, look at... Look at I mean, Paxton's injury prone. Yep. Marcus Simeon plays in a small market team, so while he's talented and he's been good i mean he's going to get that big fish in a small pond syndrome where he's not going to get the the contract he could got if he was playing for a big market team guys like marcus stroman jake Odorizzi, trevor bauer blake training i know i'm misspelling that julio Tehran. i mean these guys are they have their moments but i mean you've had a good season here or there a lot of these guys are close to their 30s and they've only been had one or two dominant seasons these aren't these aren't foolproof studs who are going to go out and demand top dollar. Like they're going to get contracts, but it's going to be maybe three or four year deals tops for far under what they would have gotten had we not had this pandemic and shutdown. These teams aren't going to have the money. They're not going to be paying these guys $15, 20000000 million a year to sit on a bench. It's just not happening. The only guy who's going to get money is Real Muto, George Springer even. George Springer's going to be 31. George Springer was a was thought to be coming out of the minor leagues what Mike Trout actually is. And George Springer, while being very good, has slowed down because he's had injuries. He was he was a speed and power guy when he first came into the league. He slowed down tremendously because of injuries. He doesn't steal nearly what he used to. Doesn't hit for the numbers of a top flight hitter. He hasn't... He's been fine. He's a good player. He's a nice add to anybody's team. He could be a nice, you know, a nice chip or addition to a championship franchise, but he himself is not a game changer like they thought he would be. He's not going to get premier money. The best player on this list by far, I think, is JT Romuto and Mookie Betts, the best two players. Romuto might get more money than Mookie. Yeah, he might. And And this is the problem with the deal he was presented with, and he thought he was above that, I get you can't predict the pandemic. I understand that. But you also have to realize your market value. And you have to realize logically, and if you look at Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, they had to take some concessions in their deals. Now, they got crazy money, but Bryce Harper didn't get the money that Trout got. No, not at all. And Trout, there's some who say Trout may have 
undervalued himself because it is a 12-year $420 million contract. So eventually, over time, that... I would love to undervalue myself that I, much. I, I get it. It sounds strange, but after a few years, if the trends continue, you would see that deal become more and more attainable because more contracts would be... It, like in NFL, when a, when Kirk Cousins signed his right, contract, right. He, he became one of the highest-paid players. It quickly turned because player X signed and then player Z signed. And, and it's like when, you know, I, I trash Carson Wentz's contract, but Goff signs his contract. Well, when Mahomes signs his contract, he's going to make Carson Wentz's contract look like peanuts. Which, but... That's going to make it look like the Eagles got a deal. <laughs> right. And, but now we're looking at this... And even and even stretching out to 2022, because you have to factor in two things with that. It is two years away, but before that 2022 season starts, they have to figure something else out. You remember what that is? Yeah, they have a, a collective bargaining agreement or a CBA that is I going that. to expire, and there is going to be major problems with that. That's not going to work out well. So, <clears throat> well, here's now, the thing. we're assuming if they play if they, if they don't play this season. There's a very real possibility they go on strike and don't play next season. That's possible. So this could all be just because 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 they could file their grievance and then that thing that thing could drag on. Yep. So I will. It's it past just, five o'clock. Have they had said anything? Do you, is there anything? I, update? I've been looking. Okay. Uh, I'll go through this list real quick. Okay, yeah, for I'll, sure. I'll, yeah. I'll let you digest it um, while I look at the uh, the feed. Uh, in 2022, now obviously. Which, by the way, we discussed this beforehand. It is position player youth and very extremely experienced pitchers coming on free agency. You have Grinky, Verlander, Kershaw, Scherzer, and Lester, all above 37, all becoming free agents. And then you have this youth movement, which is insane. Corey Seager... Carlos Correa, Ho, uh, um, Francisco Lindor, Jose Baez, oh, Javier Baez, I'm sorry. All four shortstops, all free agents the same exact year. Then you have Noah Syndergaard, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, Marcelo, or not Marcelo Zuna, Roberto Asuna, and Kyle Schwarber, all free agents. By the way, Schwarber's probably going to sign in an AL team because he is not an outfielder. So you have all these guys coming up, and if you're these guys in 2022, you got to make the decision. the The first opportunity there is to sign an extension with my team. What kind of offer are they going to ask, and can I get that guaranteed money in a reasonable contract? Because if, let's say, Mookie Betts signs that pillow contract. Let's say George Springer does too because he thinks he can get money. Let's say Jack Peterson, who should have been traded to the Padres and doesn't get traded, wants to sign some pillow contract somewhere so he can get his numbers up. And, and there's countless other ones. Now you're dragging all these 2021 free agents into 2022. And that just makes, that just gives the GMs an opportunity to sit there and say, okay. We have all these players All these options, yeah, right. Well, I can give you this contract, or I'm going to bring up player X, Y, or Z from the minor leagues. And you know why this, this happens? One of, the, one of the reasons why is this six-year till you get hit free agency, and then you, you push their um, entrance into the major league to April 20th, April 20th, whatever it is those, that particular year to get that service time kicked to another year. Where if you could just clean this up, reduce the time, you might be able to reduce the um, time it gets to free agency. And it makes these players more affable to friendlier contracts, maybe. And it makes the CBA a little more easier to negotiate because you're not essentially waiting seven years. So think of it that way. George Springer's been up forever. He probably has been up since 24, 25. And he's, he's going to be 
31 when his first contract comes up. When it, when he's a free agent, yeah. he's going to be 31. Right. Like I get Mookie Betts is going to be 28. But George Springer's going to be 31 when he's a free agent. And he's going to get what, a four or five year contract? Maybe Probably about that, yeah. For a fraction of what he would have gotten before a pandemic. Imagine if he was 28 when he hit free agency. Totally different story. I think... It's just sad, man. I think the pitchers on this list will be treated differently than the hitters. Because pitching is always a premium for dominant pitching. You have guys like Zach Greinke and Clinton Kershaw, who, let's be honest, no matter what they do in a regular season, when the chips are down in the playoffs... These two fold like origami. They can't get the job done when the pressure's on. Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, on the other hand, you're talking Cy Young winners, studs, guys who have won championships. And whatever you want to say about the Astros championship, you know, Verlander still pitched his ass off that year. So there's no trash can in the world or signal in the world that is going to make him be able to pitch better. Like, that's just not how it works. So he doesn't take any credibility away from him. I mean, John Lester has been good with the Cubs. Not really injury prone. I mean, these guys are all going to get contracts. They're all going to get decent money. I think Verlander and Scherzer are probably going to get more than the rest. Uh, it's funny, both ex-Detroit Tigers, maybe if they could have hung on to them, have a different state of baseball in Detroit. As far as these hitters go, I mean... Even the relief pitchers, you have Brad Hand, you got uh, Roberto Osuna. I know he's 27, but he's had some issues, you know, off-the-field issues that uh, are not exactly sparkling. That's going to affect him. Brad Hand is, is, is really good, but, I mean, he's going to be 32, and he's a closer. On the wrong side of 30, as far as the contract goes, and you're a closer, they don't make Mariano Rivera's anymore. Closers have a really short window. Batances, same thing. Jose Ramirez, if he'd hit the last two years, the way he hit the previous two years before that, he'd be getting a massive contract no matter what. He's proved inconsistent also. So while he's very, very good, and he should still get a respectable deal, he's not going to get the massive contract he could have gotten. Uh, Seager and Baez, good. I don't think they're upper echelon. Carlos Correa and Francisco Lindor, different story. I think both those guys could be vital to a uh, an offense. You build a nice team around them. Noah Syndergaard, before Tommy John, I would have told you this guy would have gotten a massive deal. But coming off of Tommy John, if they play that season, what's he going to look like? He's either going to be fine or he's not going to have any of his old form. So that's up in the air. I mean, the the thing that make I know we always bring up all the time, Mike Trout, but he's the best player in baseball. Right. And there's a reason only certain guys get these massive contracts no matter what. Mike Trout, despite not having a championship, is the best player in baseball. He is a generational talent. He is special. He is somebody you're going to look back on in 50 years and remember Mike Trout because he was just that good, and he's still in the middle of his prime, if not the beginning of his prime. Machado got his contract because, A, he plays, plays a premium position, albeit they moved him to short. But when uh, um, Tatis, um, Fernando, and that's not Fernando Tatis, that's his dad. Well, I think it's Fernando Tatis Jr., I think. Oh, it is? So I think yeah, it is his right, name, yeah. Right. But so, so even when he went out for a long period of time, uh, Machado was able to slide back over to shortstop, play at, at a premier level. And he is as close to a point because I, I I understand Mike Trout is best player in baseball, but he is very boring to watch. Manny Machado, on the hand, he is as appointment television as you can get at this point. Well, Mike Trout's not boring to watch. Mike Trout's boring off the field, which makes people think he's boring. Yes. You watch Mike Trout I, I play, think, you will not be bored. I, I think I think his 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 personality off the field just just comes onto the field as well and just But that's why the, and, and then Bryce Harper as well, he's a very uh prominent figure, very energetic, hair on fire. Sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. But 
They have big personalities which add to their value as a player. But if you get the aura of Mike Trout combined with inconsistency, I think you get Mookie Betts. And that's why they wouldn't give him the 12-year, $420 million contract. And I think they were generous to give him the 10 and 300. I think that would have been a mistake too, yeah. In hindsight right now, wrong for him not to take that deal. And I get he wants to maximize his value. And he took a gamble. That gamble looks like it's not going to pay out. No, it's not. Now, in this next CBA, that's one thing they should absolutely clean up is get this service time under control because it's not it's not fair to the players to have to wait six years at minimum and that's six years of service time and when does your clock start is the question it's always a question and we've talked about this before when you look at the MLB draft these kids get drafted at 18 or 22 you don't know who they are right because they're not out in front of you they're right. not they're not known. And then when they are drafted, when's the next time you hear about them? Because Mookie Betts yeah. was not a first-round pick. No. He was somewhere between three and eight, I think, in, in, in round. Somewhere between three and eight, I think, off the top, just off the top of my head. Right. They're not known unless you're one of these – Farm team draft Knicks who who absolutely love the farm system, but then you you want to hoard your your farm system players. They just they just don't come up fast enough, which I understand baseball is a hard game, but then when they come up, they're they're held to this service time that just makes it so difficult. It's why players like Mookie Blitz, Mets, like Jonathan Papelbon, who want to get every dime because. They have to. That's why they fight tooth and nail every arbitration because they know by the time they get to free agency, they're gonna get that's gonna get one shot at the can and that's it. This is to your point. I just looked on Mookie Betts, drafted in the fifth round of the 2011 NFL draft. <laughs> yeah, hell of a talent to make the transition to baseball. Fifth round of the MLB draft in 2011. 2011. 2011. And now we're talking 2021. Ten years later. Ten, a decade later. A guy who's this talented. I know he said he's inconsistent, but that's not a knock. We're just comparing him to the elite. He's still, extraordinary, he's still extraordinarily talented. But a decade before he's going to get his first contract. And can we just let everyone know, he has not been in major leagues for ten years. No, he's been in major leagues since 2014. And even then, he only played... September, I think. Yeah, he played uh, 52 games in 2014, and then he's been a regular since 2015. Yeah, I mean, it... it and that's and that's the case. That's that service time. Yeah. Where if you don't... If you don't hit the major leagues by a certain date in one season, you essentially have not, will not accrue enough, to, uh, enough service time to hit your service time mark for six years. Right. Until the following season. So essentially, you'll play seven seasons. So even if he makes the major leagues, even if you make the major leagues, if you're a 21-year-old junior coming out of college, I think I think Benintendi was that. I think he was a 21-year-old junior coming out of Arkansas. And he made the majors, I want to say the following season. I still haven't seen his name and it's probably going to be 2023 or 2024. He's going to be close to 30. You have to wait that long to be an unrestricted free agent. Where in hockey, to get a restricted free agency, it's two years, I think. Maybe three. Right. And a lot of those guys are 18, 19, 20, 21. And even your college players, after two years, if you hit that high ceiling... Teams have to pay you very generous to to retain you. And then football, we know football, four years, and if you're first-round pick, it's a fifth-year option. And that fifth year pays heavy. Is a pay increase, and then you go into free agency, or 
you, you uh, a seller, um, excuse me, uh, franchise tag, which is right. pretty high too. Yeah. And, but if you're Dak Prescott, who is a third round pick, after four seasons, your contract goes from, I think he, I don't remember what it is. It's probably like a million. His last year, his fourth year of his contract, escalates to thirty one million. That's a, that's a healthy increase. And the thing you can say about baseball is you're well, you're 100% right. I've thought the same thing for a long time. That is a broken system. It's messed up. And you can say, well, these guys are still playing a game, and they're still making a couple hundred grand a year for their first few years. Yeah, you're not wrong. That's, that's nice money. The problem with that comes in, you're using their name, their likeness. Mm-hmm. You're making millions and millions and millions of dollars a year off of these guys. Now, Mookie Betts, the last couple of years in arbitration, was paid handsomely. The first few years, made probably close to league minimum, if not league minimum, still made a couple hundred grand a year. Well, they're essentially just wrapping his contract with a 110% increase. Well, the, the thing I'm trying to get at, though, is if you're working somewhere and your name is a certain value, if you go to your job tomorrow, wherever you work, and they say, okay, new pay structure, we're going to continue to make what we make. We're gonna make even, you know. We're gonna, we're gonna, you're gonna make what you make. We're gonna continue to make vastly more money, strictly off of your name. Your name, like people are paying for that product because your name is on it. You're attached to it. But until you've been here six years, you can't see any of that profit. Yeah. So you're gonna go to Fenway on game day, and they're gonna sell a couple hundred Mookie Betts jerseys. People are gonna uh, are gonna uh, buy all sorts of merchandise with his name on it. His like, people online everywhere. He was huge. Like I said, the last couple of years in arbitration, he was probably paid pretty handsomely. However, the first few years, they're making tens of millions a year off him, and he's getting a fraction of that. Now they sign contracts, they agree to it, they know what they're signing up for. Doesn't mean the system's not broken, and it is the biggest reason why players and owners are always at each other's throats. They never get along. It's a, it, it, You said it yourself. You go to arbitration, and the GM who drafted you, essentially, on a lot of teams, sometimes it's somebody different, but the, the team in place for drafting you, running that team, their job is essentially to tell the person in arbitration how poor of a player you are and all the reasons they shouldn't pay you, and the player's sitting right there. So then the player, all the reasons why the team is unfair... And they should pay them more. That is how the system was designed. And you're going to tell me there's going to be trust and understanding in that? There's no way. It's a system that breeds contempt and distrust. It needs to be adjusted. Players, I can, I can understand. A year or two, you play out your current contract, and then you're eligible for free agency. Anything, anything besides that that's proposed next time should not be accepted. Because baseball has a history of the owners. Only only the top and the elite get this huge, gigantic money. The owners have a history of making ridiculous money every game. Right. Off of these guys, only a small portion get paid. Because only a small portion can maintain that talent level and, and level of play. Long enough to a free agent deal. And then they get to free agency and they're 30 or 31. And they take a hit because the owners say they're too old. Right. Or the GMs say they're too old. Right. Like the, the, the analytics say, oh, well, at 31 years old, your peak has already occurred. So I can't pay you for past, and they always say this, I can't pay you for past performances. I have to pay you for future performances. Well, then guess what? Then you need to alter your system so that way the clock starts earlier because it's ridiculous that you're not, you're, you're not a free agent if you're drafted at 22 and you don't hit you don't hit the major leagues until 27 that's like Brad Brad Hand is going to be what was it 32 32 yeah he's one of those guys who hit the major leagues late in his in his um career considering everything else right whereas Mookie Betts hit it Obviously, early on, and you know, Carlos Correa was 
brought up to the majors almost immediately. I think Xander Bogarts was seven years old when he started playing. It may, it may be. But he also tried, he also signed an extension. I think they signed him before kindergarten. But Correa, I think, came up when he was 19. But he's going to be 27 when he hits free agency. Right. And he's because, been crazy the whole time. He's been, he's been a fantastic player. Right, because they brought him up late in that season. Yep. Whatever it was, 18 or 19. I think he spent, he spent like... The, like his first when he was drafted, I think he, he spent he got rookie ball the next year and then was almost immediately brought up as soon as he like flew through the minors. It's insane. A talent like that, like Carlos Correa, even though he probably has hit multiple times on on um, arbitration, and he will. But you want to help yourself with the arbitration deal. Eliminate two years of that team control. Oh, there goes the duck. Oh, oh poor duck. Oh, poor duck. We had some uh, little peep behind the curtain, folks, so we're not going to seem too weird, even weirder than normal. It's a little windy here today, and the neighbors have some inflatable pool toys, I guess. And there is a giant rubber, not a giant, but a pretty decent-sized rubber duck raft or, or floaty toy. That is just blowing around my backyard like it actually has wings. So, okay. So, <clears throat> Joel Sherman has chimed in. Joel Sherman. Who's a, Joel Sherman? He is a reporter for the New York Post. That's great. So, you know, it's reliable. MLB Network Insider. Um, he's a little, I guess, hoity toity for me, but. Stuck up? Trying to be polite, but yeah. Why? Uh, I don't know. He's just... He's stuck up. He's stuck up. That's on him, not you. He's tweeted out, um, it's beyond 5 p.m. No official word yet from, I guess, from, not form, from MLB or the PA. Maybe it is like the trade deadline when deals are made late and not uh, not revealed until after the actual deadline has passed, or maybe not. Part of the new protocols will have to be addressed The negotiations have gone into extra innings. So the next round of talks will Ooh, begin clever with Clever baseball Tony... terminology there. Huh? Clever baseball terminology Oh, yeah. There. Oh, yeah. Next round of talks will begin with Tony Clark and Rob Manford on second base. And that's that's 12 minutes ago. So, in other words, you know, it, it's half an hour past the deadline. They gave them to figure out the thing they couldn't figure out in three months in about 12 hours. Yeah. And they've heard nothing. So instead of giving actual, you know um, – as an insider giving us actual information, they decide to use a bunch of baseball terminology to try to confuse us. At the end of the day, what that means is, despite Rob Manfred mandating a season, players aren't moving any faster. No. They didn't get what they want. They're not going to move any faster on this. They're going to drag their feet until the season's canceled. That's it. Folks, we're still not going to... I can't guarantee nothing. I'm not an insider. I'm a guy with an opinion. But... I don't think we're going to see baseball this year. I, I, really don't, I really don't believe it. I, I, stand, I, I by stand by it. that as well. Like, I don't think so. I'll stand by it since I said it in March or February. Well, late, probably, we shut down until March. March. It was late March, I believe. They're not going to play. They've, they've, I, I saw reports that they've agreed to a August 31st trading deadline or they're imposing an August 21st, uh, 31st trading deadline. So eventually... You'll have less than a month from the start of the season, July twenty fourth, till the trade, or a little over a month, sorry, till the trade of an official trading deadline for the season to figure out what you are. Well, there's not going to be not, there's not going to be a lot of action because you're no. not going to sit there and say after a month, oh this this player sucks or this player can't help us, and trade him with what value? With what value? Because teams by that time. You'll be, what, 20, 25, 30 games in? Yeah. Who knows who's going to So what's be... the point for 30 games? It, there's no point. You're not going to see the movement that you usually see at the no. trade deadline unless it's like third bullpen arm out of, uh, you know, in, in a seventh inning, you know, that kind of player, or your fifth outfielder. It's just draft picks, or not draft picks, but prospects are not going to move for our Manny Machado type because of 30 games in a season that 
you don't know what's going to happen. And let's not forget that the minor league season is much shorter than the major league season, at least by a decent amount. So you're already talking to the point, by the time they get started, that minor league season is already a good portion of the way over. There has been no talk about minor leaguers even playing. So what happens if someone gets injured, you've got to call somebody up, do you have everybody practice? There is still so much stuff to work out. They're just not going to get it done. So... And 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 there's this is crazy, Chris. MLB has yet to plan needed to play in Canada. Has yet to submit a plan needed to play in Canada. So if you're going with playing in each stadium or creating this bubble, have you figured out Canada yet? Because yeah. it's a whole yeah, you got a whole country. franchise up there you got to deal with. So we're not going to get an answer. And I knew we weren't going to get an answer. No, I'm not going to get Even with this no. 5 o'clock no. BS deadline, we weren't going to get an answer. You're going to get them gradually coasting in sometime tonight or tomorrow morning with some denial of it or saying it, it, it isn't, it, they don't feel safe doing it. It's 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 it, not going to work. If, if I know MLB, they're going to try to pull this 5 p.m. Friday news dump so that they can just shut down offices. Yeah. Don't have to respond to anything. Oh, we're closed for the weekend, folks. Sorry. Hope somehow it just gets swept under the rug for the weekend. Even though it's four days past their deadline. Yeah. MLB is not playing this year. And we named all those players that are going to be affected for the free agent contracts. I, I tell you, 2022 looks very, very grim. Oh, for a contract? Yeah. Yeah, you're not getting paid the way you would have before. I know we discussed the 2022 free agents and the 2021 free agents and 2021 free agents who might possibly be 2022 free agents again. It's not going to happen. This this strike is going to happen. And, Chris, you made the point. We don't have the players. To bring us back from that. To revive. And you have this stench of these oh, yeah. sign, sti- yeah. s- sign stealing still emanating. That is really the last memory people have of the game as of right now. And then you have all of this arguing to get on the field. So I can say this. We may not have baseball, but Ben and I will be here. Absolutely. Twice a week for as long as you guys want to listen or as long as we want to talk, which I don't think that's going away anytime soon. No. So that is going to do it for this episode, however. If you have any questions or comments for any of our topics or you just want to interact with Ben and I in any positive way, really, we would love to hear from you. And Ben, where can you get in touch with us? You can hit us up on Twitter at BCTSPod or on Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. All right. Thank you again for listening. We uh, we ask you that if you enjoy the show, please share it with somebody. You know, Spread the word. And the website is still under construction. was delayed a little bit, but it is still on the way, very much in the works for Ben. I am Chris. Please stay safe and stay healthy, and we will see you right back here Friday morning. Thank you.